Welcome to part two of the Barbecue Roundtable Pork Butt Discussion. This is going to pick up exactly where part one left off. Before we get started, I do want to mention the good folks over at the Barbecue Guru. If you're looking for a pit temperature control device or a number of other unique accessories to go with your grill or barbecue pit, you can look them up on the web at www.thebarbecueguru.com. Or you can call Shotgun Fred or Barbecue Bob. They'll be more than happy to help you out at the 1-800-288-GURU. 1-800-288-GURU. And now without further ado, part two of the Barbecue Roundtable Pork Butt Discussion coming down in three, two, one. Uh, the next question, if it's more of a general consensus, just go ahead and say your answer and we can quickly move on. How many hours per pound are you factoring in for a butt cook? And remember, this is probably more of a question geared towards uh, the home-based cookers at this point. And then if you want to go ahead and add your competition experience, go ahead and add. Uh, We'll start with Chris Finney. Uh, I normally give myself two hours per pound, but I'm always hoping that it's closer to an hour and a half a pound. Jim Morgan? It's done when it's done. Uh, you, You can never... Uh, count on atmospheric conditions and the temperature and the wind and uh, specific butts, how much fat they got in, in, in between each one of them and the meats and the muscles. And, oh, make a guess. Oh, uh, <laughs> two hours a pound. No, no, it's done when it's done. I, I never, you know, I plan roughly, uh, basically, on one and a half to two hours a pound, but no. I, uh, you know, I pull it when the meat's done, when the temperature's right, and when the, when the bone twists, and that's it. Jim Minion? Uh, you factor in two hours a pound. Uh, normally, it's only taking me about an hour and a half. I'm also looking for a two to four hour rest, so I factor that in also. If you figure two hours, you're normally going to be safe um, by playing with temperature. You can adjust that. Bill the grill guy. Ah, see, you guys are getting into the uh, Bill the grill guy and the foiling aspect of this thing. Easy, <laughs> easy. We'll get there. Go ahead, Bill. Easy, Jim. <laughs> Go ahead. I figure about an hour and a half per pound when I foil. When I do competitions, I have always foiled. So I'm looking at about eight or nine hours, maybe ten at the longest on an average butt cook. Do any of you use a constant temperature measuring device like a Maverick or a uh, a Guru or anything like that? And uh, we'll start with Bill the Grill Guy. I do not. Um, I Oh! What? Well, I thought that was a dumb question, but go ahead. (laughs) I know, he said like a Maverick, you've got wireless thermometers. I do not. The one that I got a couple of years ago for Christmas is no longer in use. The ones I have found that work the best are the cheap ones. Believe it or not, anything my wife can find on sale for $15 or less, I use. And they work. And I've calibrated them. Jim Minion. Uh, No, I don't trust them. If I'm going to go there, I'm going to go get myself some... um Thermal, Thermoworks, uh, cold smokehouse thermometers. The problem is, is they start at about 125 and go up. Um, at contests, they're a real joke because the other guy down at the next pit over, he's he's running a, a wireless too, and so you're reading his pit temperatures. Um, I find them to be a total pain in the ass. Jim Morgan. Yeah, uh, great point that uh, that Jim just brought up about uh, you know being worried about your wireless receiver picking up uh, somebody else's wireless transmitter. We ran, if I'm not mistaken, three different, and Finney was there, three different uh, Mavericks, ET-73s, 
at Smoke on the Beach in the fall of 2005 or 2006 and didn't have any problem with that. To me, yes, I check constantly whether I'm cooking in a competition or whether I'm cooking at home. I've got the wireless. I've got the Maverick, and I've got a Thermapin, too. And I don't bother with a Thermapin until it's laid in the cook. But the Maverick, to me, works fabulously. Chris Finney. Once again, I'm going to have to agree with uh, Jim Morgan. Uh, down here when it's uh, 110 degrees outside, uh, I don't want to go out there any more than I have to. So, yeah, I'm always running the Maverick. Uh, I've also got the new temp, which I, I like, but I end up using the Maverick a whole lot more because it does have the the high and low alarms on there, which, you know, sometimes are set, sometimes aren't, but... You know, that's another story. Uh, I think uh, that some comps we've been in, I think the last smoke on the beach, we had five Mavericks sitting in relative closeness to each other. and Within 30 feet. Yeah, they and they all kept track of the pit that they started with. Uh, for the most part, we've had no, no crosstalk, no interference. And, and when I do seem to have that problem, if I pull out the new temp, Hardly anybody out there that that I've come across has the new temp when you go to a competition. So that seems to be the the fail safe one if the Mavericks aren't working. And uh, I think you mentioned the Guru uh, in your question, and I do also have one of those, but I I use it very rarely. I I use it to to keep in practice using it, but I also don't use it so that I don't get to where I need to use it. The the times I've used it the most has been at, at a competition where where we're cooking chicken on the WSM and we want a a good high temperature and we want it for a long time. I'll I'll put the the guru on the WSM then and cook the chicken on it. Greg, can I ask a relative question? Uh, relatively quickly. <laughs> How far do you guys actually go away from your pits that you need the wireless uh, thermometers? Because, I mean, I'm monitoring my pit within 30, 40 feet. I'm, I'm just kind of curious because I don't use the wireless uh, remote thermometers. I use the wire fed, and I, all I got to do is walk up and take a look. I'm, I'm just kind of curious about that. Well, see, we're cutting out that walking part of your process. <laughs> we're sitting in our in our lounge chairs and and monitoring from there, and uh, and you know, sitting around just shooting the the bull. And then instead of getting up to go check, we're we're just, we just look at the thing. And if if you get a reading that looks odd, then then of course you get up and go look to make sure you haven't started picking up somebody else's signal or something screwy hadn't happened, but. And I, I, I'll add that I do have uh, dial thermometers on my uh, WSMs also, so I, I do have the option of going over there and looking. I use uh, analog thermometers, dial thermometers, especially on the close. And the way that you know when it's time to add fuel is to look at the, uh, the upright box. When that thermometer starts to drop, it's time to add fuel. So there's a lot of different ways to you can use these things. I just don't. I have. We get so much rain out, rain out here. I don't trust basically most of the the digital thermometers for any period of time. Do I have them? Sure. Do I take them? Sometimes. Is that the real test? No. Do any of you mop or spray during cooks? Captain Morgan, you're first. I think he must have left. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think you mugged out. Finney, go ahead. For the most part, I'll say no. I I have, I do, but not often. If, once again, if I if I'm trying to replicate Lexington style, true Lexington style barbecue, as close as I can get on a WSM, yeah, I'll mop uh, because that's that's what's done there. I've at a competition we have a have a spray bottle that's got a solution in it that when we open the cooker up for something else everything gets sprayed but as far as you know a timetable of we're opening it up to mop or to spray whatever you want to say no i'm not going to do that unless i'm at home and i'm i'm you know cooking my pretend lexington barbecue captain morgan you there uh never never mop never spray on a butt um on whole hogs yes uh but uh if you if you rub a butt and you mop it you're you're moving around those spices you know you're you're moving around everything that you've rubbed in there um the butts don't need mopping for moisture the only reason you would do that would be to create more layers of flavor and when i say that i don't don't mean to dismiss that uh there are plenty of people i know including the uh the south carolina state barbecue champion who likes to create layers of flavor by continually mopping on and sometimes different flavors too it's not just the same mop going on and on and on but uh to me if you're turning in a uh, and we're talking about this this whole thing is about pork butts and pork butts and right. uh, you know if you if you're doing uh butts and you've trimmed your butt and you've got your rub on there i don't want to mess with it i want to create a bark i think if you add moisture to that bark continually during the cooking process uh you're going to uh not come up with as much of a crispy bark and that's what i try to get to and when i say crispy i don't mean that it, you know snap crackle and pop but it, it's it's one of those deals where you know you want to have a, a texture difference on the outside bark as opposed to the tender inside meat now back backyard cooking i'd like to have close to the same thing jim minion um, I normally don't um, use a mop. Uh, there is a couple of products that I do, but it's definitely not butts. Uh, I don't really like using most of the sprays because if you look at them, they're usually like apple juice or something that's high in sugar. And the sooner you start doing it, the, the blacker the butt gets. Uh, and that's not necessarily the color I'm looking for. So I stay away from them personally. But uh, again, like Cappy said, um, it will give you layers of flavor. Uh, but I'm actually using my rub, and I will actually rub again partially through the cook. So I'm maybe doing some things a little different than some others. Bill the Grill Guy, final word. Uh, I give it a little spritz with the apple juice and 50-50 apple juice and water. Uh, not very often, just more like when I open it up and I have to check temperatures of the meat or whatever, I give it a little spray. That's about it. Big argumentative question here. Do you foil butts? Jim Morgan or Captain Morgan, your thoughts? Uh, no, I don't. I don't foil butts. Um, I know that uh, my buddy Bill does, and Bill and I get together every year. He comes down on vacation down to near where I am, and we get together and cook. And uh, he's a great cook. He's an award-winning cook, and uh, and I love to cook with him. I know he foils. Uh, I don't. Uh, I foil my ribs, but butts, no. Uh, butts, I think, have enough uh, moisture inside of them. Uh, to to carry without it, I want to get as much smoke flavor into that butt as I can. And you know, the butts are a thick piece of meat, and it's hard to oversmoke a butt. You know, I, I've seen oversmoked ribs. I've seen oversmoked uh, other cuts of meat, chicken especially. 
Uh, it's hard to oversmoke a butt, and that's why I don't do it. Point counterpoint, Bill the Grill Guy. No comment? <laughs> 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 You're gonna, nice. I need a better answer than that. All right. I have always foiled my butts, competition or when it comes to catering. However, this coming Thursday, and I will be posting pictures on the barbecueforyou.com, I will not foil the four butts that I am going to cook on the WSM just to see how it goes. The problem I have with not foiling, the problem I have with the bark is I do not like to bite into a sandwich of pulled pork barbecue and have a, a hard piece of black meat that you guys call the bark. So that's why I have never uh, left it unfoiled. I like to foil. I like to keep the moisture in the meat. I like to keep the outside layers. Yes, they are red, and they have the smoke-filled uh, layers, but I do not like to foil, or I do not like to not foil. Chris Finney. I do not foil as a practice. Uh, if if I'm running into a time constraint, once the meat's uh, past the plateau where the fat's rendering, if if I need it off quicker than, than what it looks like it's gonna get to i i may pull out the fall and and you know crank up the temp a little higher and, and rush the butt to to the finish point but as a rule no i i don't fall it's it's only if if i have a time crunch that i need it to get done jim minion i don't foil except for the hold again if there's a time restraint because of weather whatever the case may be in a competition then you got no choice but i prefer not cooking a butt in its own fat and and have it basically brazen and I, it's just not something i care for so i don't do it it's it's more personal than anything else i don't see any there's no advantage to rushing a butt once it hits 165 there's no advan- advantage to rushing it from that point that i can think of so i just don't go there can i counterpoint there <laughs> all right i don't think that foiling a butt is rushing the the cook at all like i said before i don't i don't enjoy biting into a sandwich that is you know hard or crusty i want to bite into a soft uh barbecue sandwich so that's why i have always foiled maybe i'm wrong I haven't tried it yet, and maybe Thursday's going to open my eyes. I don't know. This is your first butt cook on the WSM, right? Correct. So you need to do some with and some without so that it's not just the different cookers getting you a different different end product. It's, well, I could do that. I'm cooking four butts, so it's it, you know not a problem with I can foil two or not and foil only one. I don't, it doesn't matter. Well, let's let's go over to Jim right now, Jim Minion, and because I know Jim has cooked on a lot more uh, different cookers than we have, and ask uh, his opinion. I, I don't know. If, I'm sure Jim, you've probably cooked with a bullet cooker before, maybe not the WSM, <laughs> as opposed to offsets and eggs and that kind of stuff. Uh, do you see any real difference there between foiling and not foiling between the different types of cookers? I actually, I mean, I've cooked on everything from um, FECs to Traegers to to uh, backwood smokers to, I mean, a number of different things and a lot of vertical cookers. I actually like vertical cookers a lot. I don't. I it's my technique is I don't I don't foil. I don't have the crunchy, hard bark 
that Bill's talking about. Part of it's because of the temperatures that I use and the way that I rest the the pork when I'm done. Because by going into foil at the finish, putting it in a dry cooler and letting it hold for two to four hours, if there was hard bark on there, it is softened up by that point, so it's not a problem. Uh, same for for catering. I mean, I'm gonna th- those are usually going to be done off-site. If I'm doing something on-site, it's usually chicken and ribs or salmon or whatever else we're we're doing. And so those the the butt and the briskets it's in a in a co- a dry cooler, and any hard bark is being softened during that process. So it's just uh, it's just a difference in technique. It's not a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of preference, I think. All right. So what's the difference between that and folding it beforehand? Biggest difference. The biggest difference is during the cooking process. I don't want to have it in foil. I don't want it to be cooking and it's in in that grease that that is being rendered out. Uh, I don't. It, it does rush it through. The, I mean, it has to only because you're you're capturing all that heat. So it's, it is rushing it through that process. I'm, I find with the technique that I use, if I let it just go naturally through that process, I end up with the product that I'm looking for. So it, again, it's a matter of of preference it's not a matter of when i'm going to soften the the you know that hard bark up it's a matter of i want to go through the process and then I, if it is hard i can soften it up during the rest and that's a good answer anybody else want to jump in on that yeah I do. in my opinion if you cook a a a butt and i can only speak to this uh on a vertical smoker on a weber smoky bullet if you if you cook a butt and you get good bark in some cases, and not every case, and in most cases, not on every butt, but just parts of that butt, you're going to get a beautiful bark, a nice crispy almost. Well, crispy might not be the right word, but if you foil that, if you put that whole butt in foil and put it in the cooler for two, three, four hours and let it sit in there and cook in its own juices and, and its own steam and all that, that crispiness is gone once you unwrap it. The outside is tender and moist and not crispy and in my opinion a lot of times if you're turning in for competition cook anyway and i'm I'm not trying to get past the uh the backyard stuff but uh that outside bark can be absolutely fabulous if you cook it just right however foiling it and saving it can uh, can ruin that bark and i'd like to hear uh, the opinions from jim and bill uh in particular and and of course chris too uh, you know, as to saving that and making it perfect. I, I can tell you what I would do, and that would be there would be a grill on site, and that that crispy that I'm looking for will go back on a grill before a turn in. Just to give you an idea, I was cooking with Ray Lampy and Chris Lilly. Who's that? Cooking on an offset. The, we had a four <laughs> inches of rain fall in about two hours. All the temp went out of the pit. We had to use more smoke than we had to use more wood than we wanted to use. It was right. it was just it was a mess. So we get to the end. This stuff isn't ready. We actually finished the pork on a big green egg at 450 degrees and took first place. So there's there's and it was crispy. There's no question. There's no one answer. I, I don't necessarily look for crispy bark, but it, you know it's like again that's a pref- preference thing. But if I wanted that, a, a grill would give that to me rather quickly. Next question. What internal temperature do you take your pork butts to, Chris Finney? Oh, Greg. Uh, <laughs> it, it really depends. Uh, we, we've we worked with uh, taking them off at different temperatures. I've taken them off at, at over 200. I, I've taken them off at 190. 
Uh, generally, if I'm cooking more than one butt, I like to take them off at different temperatures so that that I have the best shot of between all of them getting the 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 meat that I want out of it. You know, I I my normal range I shoot for is right at 190 for for pulled pork. But I, like I said, I like to pull some off a little higher, some off a little lower. And then, then find the meat that I want to turn in if I'm at a competition. If I'm at home, I'm pulling it off at 190, 195, somewhere in there. Bill, the grill guy. Uh, I try to get it off around 200 to 205. Uh, I feel that it pulls better, and it seems to make a moisture. There again, I don't know if it has anything to do with the foil, but uh, I like the, the, the way it pulls at 205. I've, I pulled it at 190. I pulled it at 195, uh, and I think that actually pulling it, the meat apart itself, it, it pulls better at one at 205. Captain Morgan. Yeah, great answers from both of those. I can't wait to hear a Minion's answer. Uh, uh, in competition, I like to pull. And I've done, like Finney said, I've, I've, I've cooked from uh, from 190 to, to over 200 before. A lot of times when I find if you let it rest, if you take it up 200 and let it rest, the meat's going to be a little mushy. You can pull it easily. It's very tender at that point. But if you're chopping, and chopping is, is very popular here in the Carolinas, um, I like it a little bit lower, like, like around 190. You know, keep in mind, uh, if you pull it and you don't foil it and you don't put, put it in a cooler, it's still going to rise another four or five degrees uh, no matter where you put it. To me, it depends on what situation you're cooking in. Uh, for backyard cooking, 190 is fine with me. Let it come up to 195. I like the uh, the tug on the bone test to make sure. It depends on the butts themselves, but uh, in most cases, I agree with both of those guys. You know, between 190 and 200. Jim Minion, I find that it depends on the cook. It, it depends on whether barometric pressure, which is a joke, but uh, all of these. All those things. So if you've got a butt that's been on for an extremely long time, it's still only 185 degrees when you stick the thermal pin in it. I, at that point, I'm starting to go by feel. And 190s normal. I, I, my opinion is is that once a butt reaches about 200 degrees, as it goes over that, it is actually starting to dry out. Um, so I stay away. I try to I during the during that time where you get the thermal gain uh, while it's resting, I try, I, I, I'd try. i like it to stay under 200 or right at 200 degrees. After you've taken the pork butt off of the smoker, go ahead and uh, briefly ex- explain your holding process, and we'll start with Chris Vinny. My process is to, uh, off the smoker, straight into two layers of foil, heavy-duty foil, uh, and then into a cooler, and it's uh, basically... Uh, you know, as long as I can keep it there until turn-in time or if I'm at home, it's it's at least an hour or uh, hopefully way more. Getting back to some of what we were saying in the last question was, my thought is if you stick five, six more butts in a cooler on top of each other, they're still cooking. So if I'm taking off at, at 190, you know, I don't keep track of the temperature, but I'm sure it's going up probably 15 degrees with all the residual heat from, from all those butts. Whereas if I've got one, maybe it's going up five or 10 degrees 
max, but at a comp when we were throwing a, a ton of butts in the cooler wrapped in fall, uh, you know, I, I don't even know how high that temp's getting while it's sitting there. Bill the grill guy. Uh, I'm going to be taking it off the, the cooker already in foil and adding it to my Cambro. Uh, for the Cambro, it usually sits for about two to four hours, and it may raise another five to ten degrees. So if I take it off at 200, it's going to go to 205 to 210, uh, and usually rest pretty well right about there. Uh, one thing I like about it is if I uh, start to pull it uh, for competition, I'm going to have a whole lot of moisture in the bottom of my pan. I add that to the meat and uh, drop it right back down to the uh, 9 by 9 box. Jim Minion? I pulled mine earlier. I, uh, once it's in a cooler, it depends on whether I'm using a cooler or if I'm using a Cambro. Uh, I have got a number of them also because of the catering company. And I find that if I'm going to use a Cambro, I'll actually probably pull a little bit earlier only because they do hold the heat so well, they definitely will continue to cook. And I'm looking for a lower temperature than Bill is. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that's that's the, the techniques that I use. Um, so I'll pull maybe 185, 187. I'm thinking with a Cambro, if you've got four or five butts in there, you're probably looking at about a 15-degree raise easily. Um, so I'm going to pull it earlier than that uh, just because I don't want to get that much over 200 degrees. Do you guys have any suggestions on how you would actually serve it? And we'll start with Chris Finney. I pull everything. Uh, I don't, even though the area I'm from is uh, a big chopped barbecue area, I to me, I, I don't like that as much, so I, I pull it. Uh, in competition, we pull, but we're looking for, you know, bigger finger-sized pieces instead of at home. I'm, I'm pulling it more into, into chunky strands, I would call it. Captain Morgan? You know, uh, it depends a lot on your, on your region. And uh, as Jim Minion taught me, uh, barbecue started in eastern North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> but got perfected in western North Carolina. <laughs> All right. No, no, but no, started no, in Virginia. Seriously, uh, basically, uh, you know, you're you're looking at who you're serving. You know, uh, in the eastern Carolinas, you're going to find a lot of minced barbecue, and I mean minced, I mean finely chopped barbecue, that most of the folks in the uh, barbecue competition world would be horrified at. Uh, it dries out so quickly, uh, but uh, it depends on where you go. You, know, you get into uh, to the eastern uh, part of the Carolinas, and you'll find uh, more, like Finney said, more chopped. Uh, roughly chopped, coarse chopped, and pulled barbecue, and you can find that everywhere. But you know, basically, you'll find a, a, a finer chopped in the eastern Carolinas. You go over towards Tennessee, Memphis, and uh, Kansas City, and Texas, and when they serve a barbecue, it's going to be a, a whole different style altogether. Uh, when you're cooking at home, obviously you're cooking with you know for your family and your friends, what you grew up with, and uh, that's going to be either a chopped. You know, I doubt many folks will serve it minced at home. You know, you're not going to find that finely chopped at home. But uh, when you get into a pig picking, like you find in the Eastern Carolinas, you know, folks are pulling their own hunks of meat off, and uh, and that's what that's the beauty of barbecue. You know, uh, folks uh, in each region can have whatever they want. You know, it's a tradition that's grown through hundreds of years, and you know, with each region, there's different types. Build a grill guy. 
uh, in Virginia, where barbecue started, we do pulled pork, <laughs> pork barbecue. Uh, actually, most of my customers prefer the pulled pork. Uh, very rarely do we chop. The only time we chop is if we do a whole hog, and then we, I mean, it's just a matter of convenience. We chop the whole the whole hog. Uh, but, yeah, we, we like to do the, the pulled pork. Uh, when I do competition, I like to do very large sizes as opposed to uh, finny. Uh, I do more bite-sized pieces in my turn-in box. I want to I want to get a big chunk in there that somebody can actually grab a hold to and 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 take a bite of the the whole meat. Jim Minion. Um, out here in the West and even in Kansas City, um, we do a certain amount of actually sliced pork. So we take it maybe 175 max. Um, so that will be part of a turn in. The other, uh, but normally it's pulled, I pull about thumb sized chunks uh, for competition. There is going to be a piece of bark on every chunk, and I normally, I'm only going to use the dark muscles because um, they're definitely moister than the, than the light colored ones. So, but if you're doing it for a catering or for a charity type feed, then it's basically I, I, I'm probably going to go a little bit farther with the, with the cook, and I'm gonna everything's going to get pulled. All right. Well, I think that's going to put a wrap on the pork butt roundtable. A uh, successful, <clears throat> potentially successful opening show to be sure. Uh, before we go, let's get some parting shots from the panel, Jim Minion. Parting shots. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, you guys actually know more than I thought you would. Um, so. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Hey, it was a shot. <laughs> Chris Vinny. I agree with Jim. It was a pleasure, and these guys do know more than I thought they did. <laughs> but, uh, no, this was, this was good. It's a good forum for uh, getting a little bit of information out there. Whether it's good information or not, uh, it remains to be seen after everybody listens to this and posts their comments on the board, as we all know they will. But it was a good time. I had fun, and I look forward to doing another one. Bill the Grill Guy. Yeah, I kind of agree with everybody else. I was very impressed with the uh, professionalism, <clears throat> as it was. Also, I want to say thank you very much, uh, Gary, uh, Greg, for uh, allowing us to Gary. do this. <laughs> That's okay. No offense taken. <laughs> Final word, Captain Morgan. First of all, you know, I, I know all these guys uh, through the Internet. I've talked to all of them on the phone. I've met most of them. I haven't met Jim in person, but, uh, you know, great people. And uh, it's, it's nice to be able to come on and discuss uh, what some people take very, very seriously and get all upset about and uh, and have a nice, uh, friendly, funny conversation. It's fun to be able to come here and learn, which I have done in this conversation tonight. And, uh, Greg, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, to come on here and, uh, and learn and talk and uh, looking forward to the next conversations that we do. Gentlemen, uh, as always, uh, the pleasure was yours. Thanks for taking the time out to join me, and uh, we'll be talking to you all very shortly. Thanks again, all the panel members, for their opinions. Uh, certainly was a lot of fun, a lot of good information, as well as some hijinks and comedy, to be sure. And if anything is to be learned from this, as it will be doing another one next month on Brisket, you can be sure of that. So we'll be looking for new panel members to participate in that one. Two of our four members we're looking to promote tonight. First is Captain Morgan and his brand new Carolina barbecue joints website. 
There's also a form attached to this, and you can find him on the web at www.carolinabbqjoints.com. It's carolinabbqjoints.com. Also, Bill the Grill Guy is looking to promote his catering business. He's out of Gordonsville, Virginia. You can find him on the web at www.billthegrillguy.tripod.com. That's billthegrillguy.tripod, which is T-R-I-P-O-D.com. If you're interested in learning more about barbecue, visit our website at www.bbq-the-4-letter-u.com. If you are interested in becoming a participant in a future barbecue roundtable discussion, go to the homepage and click on the email button and submit your request. Be sure to stay tuned for the Barbecue Guru Spot on the backside, Jones. For the Barbecue Roundtable, this is your host, Greg Rempe, saying so long, everybody. The future of barbecue is already here at thebarbecueguru.com. From the amazing guru that monitors and controls the temperatures of any charcoal, wood, or electric pit to the Caldera Tallboy Knockdown Smoker. Yes, it breaks down and stores flat, yet it's still a robust, sturdy, portable cooker and smokehouse. It also serves as an efficient temperature-controlled convection oven using wood or charcoal. The Tallboy is designed to fit all catering pans and can be used as a warming oven. You can cook in any style you choose, like ribs, chicken, jerky, vegetables, smoked cheese, whatever you want. Take it to KCBS competitions and unload it from the truck of your car. The BarbecueGuru.com is where you'll find the Caldera 3-Bay Caterer. It's stainless steel and uses charcoal or sterno for chafing purposes. And it doubles as a three-bay sink or wash station with hot water and knocks down in seconds with no tools required for transportation and storage. The future of barbecue is here at thebarbecueguru.com. That's www.thebbqguru.com. Or call 1-800-288-GURU.